Never doubt six. Never doubt six. Never doubt him. Never. Talking Cleveland Browns football with the best fans in all of SB Nation. You're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature. Now, here's your host with the most, my dad, Delonious Seven. David Njoku. There you go. Tight end, Miami. Matchup, he ain't really playing. There we go. 85 in your face with a cheap slam. There you go. 85 in your face with a cheap slam. 85, 85, 85 in your face with a cheap slam. He on an island playing cover man. There we go. 85 in your face with a cheap slam. 85 in your face, in your face with a cheap slam. and sisters i hope this transmission finds you well my name is thelonious seven and you you're listening to straight no chaser on dogs by nature it is great to be with you as i process this latest cleveland browns victory it's now a monday evening on the 26th of november the browns just having overcome their opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals for their first road victory in what's 37 attempts. Not only was this their first road victory in ages, but it's their first back-to-back victory since the 2015 campaign. find that quite remarkable to be honest with you and for me uh, just a couple of weeks ago three weeks ago to be honest 
For the first time in the year, I was turning to a website that I called Tankathon, Tankathon.com. Last year, literally, uh, for the greater portion of the year, I was tuned into Tankathon and checking the odds that the Browns would get the first pick in the draft, the pick which turned into Baker Mayfield, of course, and also checking the odds on that pick from the Texans that turned into Denzel Ward as well. I mean, Tankathon is the site that people fixate on when their teams have no chance of making the playoffs. And when the Browns were sitting at 2-6-1, and one, that was the first week I checked into Tankathon. But in the last couple of weeks, in the space of this brief win streak over the Bengals and over, of course, the Falcons, things have gotten different. Things have turned around. It's a different organization. It's a different place. And as we look forward into the coming five games, the five last remaining games of the season, we were looking at the screen as the coverage on CBS faded out. And we saw these three words. The three words that I was hoping going into December we'll be able to have attached to the Cleveland Browns. And those three words were in the hunt. The Cleveland Browns now are definitely in the hunt. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. It is finally true. The Browns are in the hunt going into December and we owe it all to one, one guy. You know, in this episode, I wanted to get into girls in football, talk about the four realms of NFL competition also touch on the fifth and sixth elements the fifth and sixth elements of course specific something much much more specific than all that and talk about one Hugh It's about time. It's about time. It's about time. 
about time. It's about time. Hugh is gone. Cleveland's got a new beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson's pride is completely gone. It's in the lake and it's swimming. And now it is Baker Mayfield who is now driving that bus. And it is a completely different feeling as a Cleveland Browns fan. I don't even really know what to do with myself in some way. We always talk a lot about when we know the game is over, when we know the Browns won a game. And I'll tell you when I knew the Browns were going to win that game. I knew the Browns were going to win that game as soon as Baker Mayfield took the ball, drove down the field, and had an opening drive touchdown for the first time in who knows how long. As soon as that happened, the minute that this happened, I knew it was over. I knew it was over. And once the Browns were up 28-7 to at the end of the first half, Yeah, I mean, you got the feeling. You got the feeling. That's more than a feeling by that point, right? And even in the second half, even in the second half as the the lead seemingly dwindled, and even at that play where Jeff Driscoll threw that ball and completed that pass on fourth down only to have it called back due to an illegal shift penalty. Like, even then, 
Even then, I knew that the Browns weren't going to lose. And it's funny because so many times, as games break down in the end and situations in, in the last year, that's been losses for Cleveland. These have been games that the Browns have lost in the past. But in this case, in this game, at this time, it just didn't seem like it was the case. It didn't seem like it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, I realized why. I realized why it wasn't like that, and it was because of Hugh, Jack- it's because of Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson is now on the opposite sideline. And, and since he's on the opposite sideline, those games where it seemed like we were going to win, and for some reason, for somehow, some way managed to lose, all those times we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, that no longer seemed to be a problem anymore. I mean, it wasn't the Oakland game anymore. It wasn't the Oakland situation anymore. It seems like the tools, the skills, the resources that we have in the player side of things are all being marshaled in a positive direction. And it seems like the fans can recognize this. The fans know. They see it's something different. And that's why when we're sitting here at four, six, and one, the people in Cleveland have got to be feeling that they they're witnessing something truly dangerous for those who are attempting to square up against us. It's a much different team than it was in the past. Its resources are now organized, marshaled in the same direction, and now pose a legitimate threat to all the other teams in the AFC Central. There's a possibility. And, I mean, right now, there are five games remaining in the schedule. The chances of the Browns finding a way to win all five, which would, have, of course, have been seven when it's all said and done. The, the chances that they can sit there and run off seven straight wins to end the season, it's not very likely But when you look at the competition going into this, you have to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself. You have to wonder if it's in fact more than just a pipe dream, that it's an actual possibility, that it's an actual realistic chance that something could happen magical to end this season. And it's funny because you knew it. You knew it in the Jets game. You knew when Baker came in then. You could tell something was different. Of course, there was a resistance. There was something holding this force of change back in Hugh Jackson. But now that he's gone, and now that Mayfield has a chance to reestablish himself within the Browns order, there is a real, real, real chance that the magic could happen this year and that it's already beginning to happen right now. I'm more than just a little optimistic right now about the Browns. The hype, the excitement, it's kind of died down after the relatively slow start at the beginning of this year. But going into the next game, coming up against the Texans, there we are going to find out whether or not there's a legitimate chance of this happening. Because the Texans have a real defense. 
And the Texans have a legitimate weapon at the quarterback position. A guy who will square up in a game against Baker Mayfield. And I think we're going to have a second time to sit back and reflect upon this game later in the week. We're going to talk a little bit about the Texans and what they're going to bring. And our likelihood of being able to pull out a win in this matchup. I feel if the Browns can get by the Texans, I think it's wheels up for the organization. And they've got to be thinking about playoffs. I mean, they are already thinking about playoffs now. There's no question that they think that they're a dangerous team. And the other teams aren't going to want to face them. Going into this last portion of the year, though, I am fairly certain... That the noise will get loud after this hurdle. Because this is the last real legitimate hurdle for the Browns going forward. They got a tough game against Denver as well. Denver's no slouch. I don't want to like say that it's not a real concern going into Denver. Denver's going to be a tough game. But I think the one that they really have to look at, the one that they look at, as the one that has to be the barrier to really keeping team realistically out is this weekend's game against the Texans. We're going to go back to it at some point, though, for sure. For sure. For sure. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking a bit about Condoleezza Rice joining the Browns organization in the head coaching capacity I mean I know the the topic was brought up by um, by um, old meathead as it were meaty brought it up in conversation I guess talking about the fact that the coach could in fact be a female and then the name Condoleezza Rice brought up by Adam Schefter uh, often uh, led to a lot of trepidation maybe in the last week. I don't know how many people really were concerned about this when I first heard the rumor of Condoleezza Rice being floated as the possible head coaching candidate for the Browns. I mean, it didn't seem like any type of a serious thing to me. And that's because I feel that John Dorsey is a legitimate GM and he wouldn't make that type of mistake and people floated a lot of notions like hey this is John Dorsey going out there and trying to see if there are any leaks trying to see who's going to spread what floating some things out there to see what sticks and and I don't don't know maybe that is right that sounds like it could be true but for me I, I it just sounds like Shefty, maybe not so Shefty anymore, you know, not that reliable, airtight type of source for information that he used to be. I mean, he floats this one. He also floated the situation with a a trade uh, or Jalen Ramsey or something going on that maybe never really was serious. So for me, I always question like whether or not this means that maybe Shefty isn't really the guy that we used to think of him as of in the past. But as for Condoleezza Rice, I mean, how much worse could she have done than the coach that they just got rid of? And in my opinion, 
I actually think a, a person like Condoleezza Rice would have been a far better selection uh, to be a head coach than Hugh Jackson was in this last iteration. In fact, I'm pretty sure she couldn't have done worse. For the most part, she would have to hire an office of a defensive coordinator to basically run the team, and she would be, in some ways, a figurehead. And in some ways, as a CEO of the team, the way that Hugh Jackson was in the past, as a CEO, she would be a tremendous candidate. She has that scowl. She has that look, that seriousness, and that cachet. I'm not saying that she's going to be able to get people to run uh, through a wall or that she's not going to have people questioning her on her acumen or understanding. I'm just telling you that as a figurehead, as a person, as a leader, it is a, it's a reasonable idea, a reasonable situation. However, I really think it would be a much better fit were she in the third realm and the realm of the the GM per se I mean there's definitely examples of females who have survived and been successful in the GM realm namely Trask and I think that it's not so hard to imagine somebody in this in this realm doing uh, and kind of zigging as other people are zagging if you will the way I think about this is when I think about uh, decision making at a high level I always consider the implications and how they relate to poker and when I play poker a lot one thing I found is that in a game with where girls are at the table generally speaking just generally speaking boys don't have much idea of what they are thinking I don't know they don't know when they're you know honestly holding something and being and pushing you out or they don't know when it's a bluff they really don't have any sense when a girl does something how to read this energy how to read this emotion they're used to playing a game with boys and when a sharp smart thinking girl comes in with a different perspective I mean it's like easy money I've seen it I've seen it happen time and time again I've been a victim of it before as well just because you're just used to things being a certain way somebody has a different way of looking at things and I feel like maybe that would be the case with Condoleezza Rice. I think she might have a different spin. I think she might provide a different type of credibility. And it might be digging while everybody else zags. Maybe it would be that way. Uh, for me, though, I, I just can't see it happening as you do need to have a voice of experience within the organization in that position for sure. But in some capacity, it doesn't sound strange or crazy to me. What it does, though, is it does open us up for a discussion of the four football realms that I've <laughs> it's funny, like I've actually made a couple of shows that I haven't been able to release due to timing, etc. Where I talked a lot about these realms. So I'm going to try to go back. Well, I'm sure you've never heard me say it before, so it's all new to you for the first time. But essentially, in the last couple of weeks, I've been breaking down the realms of the realms of football competition. In the NFL, there are four main ways that competition takes place, four main realms where NFL competition happens. And the first realm is the realm I described as the primary realm. It's the player's realm, the player's ball. It's a realm that we watch every Sunday to where we saw this week Baker Mayfield step up. It's the realm we saw 
the players be players and the Browns be the Browns for the first time in a long time. And generally speaking, the game that we love, the game that we see, the strategies that we see, the field, action, all takes place in the first realm. But in addition to this realm, there are two other very serious realms in which competition takes place in the NFL that also kind of shadow this realm, this initial primary realm. Realm two, of course, is a coaching realm. It's the realm where Hugh Jackson got handed a football by one of the players. And when Demarius Randall handed him a football on that Sunday afternoon, every last shred of dignity that Hugh Jackson had left. I mean, if there was any left at that point. Anyways, with his team down two scores and losing the ball, only to have Baker Mayfield go down the field, cash in another score. Another score. Well, the problem in Cleveland for the longest time has been an issue of confusion between the realms, conflation between the realms, perhaps. In an army sense, people talk about this as uh, fraternization between the ranks. Like when the enlisted men have relationships, friendships, partnerships with people that are the officer class. And generally speaking, there's nothing wrong with enlisted men being close to the people in the officer's class. There's nothing wrong with the situation from an ideological perspective. However, when things go wrong and when the bullets start flying, when there's too much conflation, when there's too much communication and dissension and issues where people are crossing out of their lane, getting into other people's lanes... When that kind of stuff happens too often and the bullets are flying, you got real problems because the people in different realms have completely different aims and missions and goals to accomplish. Freddie Kitchens, I think in a couple of shows ago, I I had him at the beginning of the show. He was talking about how players are after stats and that the stats bring money and that's why players are motivated to do what they're doing they're trying to win they're trying to produce so that they can get paid so they can show that they're in fact worth the money that they're being offered by the GMs as they build their teams so that's the first and second realm the players realm the coaches realm the realm of Hugh Jackson now the realm of Greg Williams here in Cleveland. And all of this seems to have been organized by the work, finally, of John Dorsey in realm number three. John Dorsey is able to establish his realm of player building. And it's a whole other realm of competition than the other two realms, exactly. And in some ways, like I was telling you before, they've got to keep their interests separate. Because of all the realms, the one where winning is most important is the players realm that winning that production that's really what makes a team keeps a team good enough to be together for long enough to be successful you gotta win 
in the player's realm to get that feeling, to get that attitude that you're going to be a dominant team in the league. That, that can only occur in a winning environment. It has to happen by example. Winning is hugely important to players' realm. And while it's important at the players' realm, it's slightly less important for the coaches. For coaches, perhaps, perhaps coaches need to be thinking not so much in terms of winning this specific game, but to be the best team possible. To be in a position to win the most games possible. And that's not necessarily thinking about every individual game per se. It takes a bigger view. And additionally, Realm 3, the realm of the GM, cares even less about winning specific games and more about building a culture, an entire framework or structure of a team. This team builder's realm, I find uh, incredibly fascinating. It's interesting to think how people work at this level and think about things at this level. Well, then, of course, there is the fourth realm, and that's the realm of ownership. Literally, at the realm of ownership, at the GM's realm, at the ceiling of the GM's realm, perhaps, the realm of ownership exists, and at the realm of ownership, it's completely different from the other three realms because in it, literally, winning and losing is completely unimportant to this realm. By the time you get to the fourth realm, winning and losing doesn't matter. But what does matter is the continued existence of the league. Realm four, the ownership realm, is the existential realm. Maybe even the god realm, perhaps. But the realm that frames or that provides for the existence of the league at every level below, financially, with the spirit. Also the realm that provides for the rules and the competition of the other realms below. But in the end, to this realm, to realm four, it literally does not matter whether a team wins or loses. All that matters is the continued existence of the NFL pie. The shield. That's all that matters there. And when I hear the discussions about Jimmy Haslam concerning himself with the issues of Realm 3 being a de facto GM and concerning himself with issues in Realm 2 and even Realm 1 considering playing, trading for players uh, with second and third round picks okaying and approving these kind of actions it's just yeah it's the thing that really bugged me the most about this organization and right now i i'm hoping i'm hoping that the tide has kind of turned and that john dorsey is beginning to take his place of prominence in the organization and i'm hoping it's going to move forward in a positive direction from here on out with a centralized place of authority a centralized voice of authority in the gm position and it's so so important because really you can can cut players you can cut you can move on from coaches you can start up new and do things again of course it's better to have the same guys in place for a while you can move in and out of that stuff but one thing you can't move on from is that, yeah, it just sets you back so long because of course people try to get their own guys in easy talks about it all the time every time the gm has got to go put his own guys in the organization so that 
so that he feels like his position or his uh, ideology or scheme is actually in place. And once he has his guys there, if he's not winning soon enough, he's going to be out and then somebody else is here. At least that's how it is if you're in Cleveland. Like I said, I really hope that Dorsey finally becomes the guy to break this trend and begin to be, build some stability within this, within this position so that the organization can be more secure from, from top to bottom. Well, that's my ideas basically on the realms of the Browns. And I just wanted to say as I close this episode out, I really think that there is a strong possibility that since Jackson has moved on and that Baker has come to his position of prominence in the organization, I want to say I feel there's a, a really strong possibility that this is the this is the magical ending that we might be in store for a magical finish. The kind of season that you suffer three, four, five, six, seventeen, eighteen years to finally experience. And for me, like I said, I at the be- right now I am just happy to be in the hunt in December. It, it may be a pipe dream. I mean, we'll see this Sunday whether or not they can do something in the- against the Texans. It could be a pipe dream, but for me. I'm hoping against hope that something magical could happen. This team looks and feels dangerous. And as we close out these last five games, I'm going to be hoping, hoping against hope that the playoffs aren't just the playoffs for somebody else. And with that, we're going to put this one in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to make dogs by nature a part of your day. Leave a comment in the comment section as it helps us facilitate discussion with you, the best fans in all of professional sports. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, the Lonia Seven on Dogs by Nature. Take care. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser with my dad, the Lonia Seven on DVN Network. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.